the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, on this day the Church begins a holy season of prayerful and penitential reflection. Our attention is especially directed to the holy sufferings and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. From ancient times, the season of Lent has been kept as a time of special devotion, self-denial, humble repentance born of a faithful heart that dwells confidently on his word and draws from it life and hope. May our dear Father in heaven, for the sake of his beloved Son and in the power of his Holy Spirit, richly bless this Lenten tide for us, that we may come to Easter with glad hearts and keep the feast in sincerity and truth. Let us now come penitently before him, confessing our sins and wait upon his promised absolution. O Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, before whom all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, you know our sinful nature, and how greatly we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and deed. Hear now our confession, and have mercy upon us, as we acknowledge our sin. The Lord has heard your penitential prayer. It is he who has created a broken and a contrite spirit within you. Receive now in faith his holy absolution through the office by which he has ordained to grant it to you. Upon this your confession, I by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word announce the grace of God unto you. And in the stead, and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. 
God, you despise nothing that you have made, and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create in us new and contrite hearts, that lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, we may receive from you full pardon and forgiveness, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this Ash Wednesday, the Old Testament lesson from the second chapter of Joel, verses 12 through 19. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a cereal offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants, and let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and make not thine heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land, and he had pity upon his people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle lesson from the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. We beseech you on behalf of Christ be reconciled unto God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Working together with him, then, we entreat you not to accept the grace of God in vain, for he says, at the acceptable time I have listened unto you, and I have helped you on the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Our Lord Jesus says, Beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father which is in heaven. Thus when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they then might be praised by men. Truly I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by men. But truly, I say unto you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And then your Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly, I say unto you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, but rather by your Father which is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume them and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the gospel of our Lord. Together we sing our, of our faith in the creedal hymn, hymn number 953.
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. With our gospel reading in mind, our sermon text for this Ash Wednesday is from the the first book of Samuel, the 16th chapter. This verse, For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is our text, dear Christian friends. During one of his political presidential campaigns, a delegation called on Theodore Roosevelt at his, at his house in Oyster Bay on Long Island. The president met with the delegation with his coat off, his sleeves rolled up, seemingly ready to do some good, hard, honest work, the kind that would impress a delegation. Gentlemen, he said, come with me. Come with me to the barn and we'll talk while I do some work. At the barn, Roosevelt picked up a a pitchfork. And he looked around for the hay that he expected to find. And seeing none of it, he called out to his assistant. He said, John, where's all the hay? And the presidential page replied from up in the hayloft. He said, I'm sorry, sir, I haven't had time to, to toss it back down again after you pitched it all up here when the delegation from Indiana was here. You know what they say about appearances. They can be deceiving. And it's no stretch of the truth to say that sometimes we rather like them that way. Sometimes we rather want appearances to be deceiving. Indeed, it's one of our foremost fallen flaws. We want desperately and will do what it takes to justify ourselves in the eyes of others. Meanwhile, we incriminate ourselves in the eyes of God. That's sinful human nature. Knowing man's short-sighted capacity only to see and judge by the outward appearances, we dress ours up, don't we, and we tidy them up. We polish them up. We magnify them. And all the while, we're really no different than that wizard from Oz. You know the the wizard from the classic story of the same title, that wizard of Oz. We're no different than he. A small man with many faults, hiding behind an impressive front. As we consider things tonight on this stark and this solemn day of Ash Wednesday, it's amazing to think just how far we go, isn't it? It's amazing to think how far we go to make sure that our fellow man sees the outward appearance, to see the one that we want him to see. We start by hiding away the unimpressive. We sweep it under the metaphoric rug. We tuck it away. We tuck away our unimpressive faults and qualities under the bed. We stash them away in the darkness of the closets of our lives. The dirt and and the dingy laundry of life we hide away and we carry on sometimes, don't we, self-righteously? As if there were really none to speak of at all? We want the company in our lives to think that our house is always this clean and tidy. We want them to be impressed by what they see. The outward appearance, all the while hoping desperately that they don't look under the rug or under the bed or in life's closet. We put it out of sight hoping then it'll stay out of sight, and two, then it'll stay out of mind. 
And sometimes trying so hard to convince others, don't we even convince ourselves? Don't we even convince ourselves that if we should mark iniquities, if we should survey the sinful clutter and the garbage of our life, if, as the psalmist says, we should mark iniquities, we convince ourselves we wouldn't be so bad off, at least compared to what we see in another. And so we minimize our iniquities, sometimes convincing even ourselves that outwardly what you see is inwardly what you get. And so that's what we go about doing. We first tuck away our imperfections out of sight, and then we construct our false fronts. Why? Because we long to be justified by our peers. We long to be validated by the outward appearance. And how do we do that? In many ways, perhaps though, it's in the way that we heard Christ speak about in our gospel reading this evening. Maybe it's in that we don't want to be the only one to know just how big the sum is on the alms that we give, the offering of our charitable contribution. We might just enjoy knowing that someone's going to see it and be impressed by it. See, that's our fallen human nature, our nature that wants to validate ourselves in the eyes of our peers. Our nature that so likes it then to, to bow the head a little bit lower in prayer and, and make the prayers a bit longer and fold our hands in prayer a bit tighter and show with our disfigured faces that our work before God is just a bit tougher, at least a bit more consistent than that which we see in another. We like people to know. But friends, who's really fooling whom? For whom are we tossing the hay? Our facades are just fig leaves, aren't they? And nothing more than fig leaves. They're fig leaves that we, like fallen Adam and Eve, fig leaves that we sew together to cover our fallen condition, just like they did to cover theirs. The condition that they didn't want to face up to. The condition that they perhaps convinced themselves that they could hide from others with a bit of stitched foliage. A condition that somehow they thought they could hide from God. But as we heard in our sermon text, God does not see as man sees. He's not fooled by our veneers, He's not fooled by our fig leaves. Even if we ourselves have come to the point that we don't see it, having become so disillusioned about ourselves by the stuff that we're peddling to others, even if we don't see it, God sees rightly. And He will have us see rightly too, and that's what the law of God does. The law of God that hits us so firmly and squarely on this penitential Ash Wednesday the law strips away the veneers and tears down the fig leaves and stands us naked, and uncomfortably so, naked in front of the mirror of truth. And we don't like what we see. And God sees all the way down into the heart, and this is what He says in Scripture of our hearts. In Genesis, he says, every inclination of man's heart is evil. And even from his youth. In the prophets, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. 
And so it's no wonder that in, the, in Matthew, our Lord himself tells us from the heart then, precede these evil thoughts and murders, adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witnesses and blasphemies, those very things that we try so hard to cover up with our veneers and our fig leaves. We live life, don't we, banking on the fact that others can't see our heart. But God sees the heart. Every corner and every far recess of it, He sees it. Today we wear that sinful heart of ours, as it were, on our sleeves. Or as many do within the church, in fact, wear them Wear it on their foreheads in the shape and the mark of an ashen cross. But whether worn on our hearts or sleeves or on our foreheads, the penitential ash, it doesn't lie. But we don't even necessarily need ashen crosses on our brows to remind us of that which the pill bottles in our medicine cabinets remind us of, and the medical insurance bills remind us of, and the doctor's office co-payments remind us of all of these things including the aches and pains when we go to sleep and when we rise in the morning and all throughout the day, all of these things, they preach to us the scriptural truth that every one of us, because of the sin that is within these hearts of ours, every one of us is returning to the dust from whence we came. Our Lord says it. Dust we are, and unto dust we shall return. God knows the heart. He knows us through and through. But God is good. And He takes no pleasure that anyone should remain in His sin. And so in love, He calls us to repentance. He calls us to drop the charade He calls us to undo the fig leaves. He bids us, as we heard tonight in in the Old Testament reading, He bids us, turn to Me, He says. Turn to Me with all your heart. Not for public spectacle, not for the sake of outward appearance, but remember what He said? Rend your heart and not your garments. Rend your heart which God alone can see and not your garments which all can see, rend your heart, he says, and not your garments. Not on the street corner of outward appearance so that all can see, but rather in the privacy of the room. And in the secret chambers of your heart, here, friend, here come before him in due in our deepest penitential posture. For down deep we know who we are. And therefore we dare not We dare not enter the courtroom of confession. And before God who judges, we dare not enter with loud and lofty sacrifices and long prayers and obviously disfigured faces. These things, they fool men, but they do not impress God. No, there is only one way that the guilty does stand before the judge. And that's with a broken and with a contrite heart. But thank God that he is patient. Thank God that he is indeed merciful. Thank him that he is slow to anger and that his heart, his heart is ever abounding 
in steadfast love. It's as the psalmist says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins. And He has not punished us according to our iniquities. It's good for us to be confronted with the dark ash of this Wednesday and of the Lenten season. But you know well that it's not a mark of sin that remains. You go home tonight forgiven. You go home tonight pardoned of all of the guilt of all of your sins. None of your sin, then in the guilt of it, remains. Just like it will for those who bear the penitential ash upon their brows today. They can go home with the same confidence that you and I can. They go home and they wash their foreheads clean. And they can do it honestly. Honestly, just like you and I leave here honestly, knowing full well that God in Christ has dealt with all of the ash of our hearts. He's dealt with it. He's dealt with it. How did he do it? He transferred it. Transferring ash. Reminds me of a party trick that a family member of mine once used to show us kids when we were a bit younger. Older now, it's not so impressive. But as kids, we we thought it was amazing. He would take some ash and mark the back of one of his hands and then in that in that time, in between the necessary time for every sleight of hand trick, he, and as, as we kids would look on, he would transfer that ash, he would impress that ash onto his other hand, and, and it would disappear from the one hand and there appear on the other. He transferred it. The ash of our lives has been transferred too, and it is no charade. It's no trick. As surely as God lives, it has been transferred. With all of us looking on, Christ of Calvary took all that we are and all that we have tried so hard to hide, the dirt from under every rug and every bed and in every dark closet of life, and he transferred it all to himself. And indeed, he has dealt with it when on the cross he died with it. That's what our God does. He deals with sin's ash. He covers sin's nakedness. It's what he did from the beginning. Adam's fig leaves and Eve's, they failed to hide sin's nakedness and shame. They then stood exposed. But God in his kindness... And mercy provided the covering that Adam and Eve so needed. How did he do it? Scripture tells us. Tells us that he covered their nakedness with tunics of skin skin that he himself provided. And he's done it ever since. For us too. But not simply to shelter us from cold nights and weather's hostility. But indeed, he's done it to shelter us from the hostility of hell's eternity. He did it when God made him, as we heard tonight, who knew no sin, 
to become ours. For us, he transferred it all. So that in him, we might be covered too. Before any outward marks of sin would be forever wiped away, or tonight washed away, we come to the Lord's table where he cleanses the inward and here transfers to us all that we're not, but all that he is, life and salvation. God grant that throughout this Lenten season we approach him with contrite hearts, with hearts contrite and yet with hearts confident that Christ indeed does make us clean. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
come down before our Lord, humbly imploring him to look in mercy upon us, upon his whole church, upon the whole world, we pray. Almighty Father, as we again enter the holy season of Lent, make us ever mindful of the great sacrifice that you've provided in sending your only begotten Son to the cross for the salvation of all the world. Bless the preaching of your word during these days as we meditate upon our Savior's suffering, that repenting of our sins, we may find comfort and peace in the sure word of your forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, you do not leave us desolate in this world of sin, but rather come to us through your life-giving sacraments. Make us ever mindful of our baptism, that daily our sins may be drowned in your forgiving grace, and that the new man within us may come forth strengthened and renewed for service in your kingdom. Instill in us a yearning for that word of pardon spoken in your name, so that all doubt may be banished within us. Bless all who receive the life-giving sustenance of your Son's body and blood, that with sins forgiven, they may joyfully serve you and one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Lord, hear our petitions on behalf of all of those who seek comfort and relief in their times of distress. Strengthen those who are sick. According to your will, grant them soundness of body and patience to endure their affliction. Send peace to the brokenhearted, companionship to the lonely, hope to the weary. Give to the dying the assurance of life eternal and comfort their survivors with the hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord God, Heavenly Father, in holy baptism you made us your own eternal children through Christ's death and resurrection. Now prepare those who will eat Christ's body and drink his blood that they may recognize him, receive him in repentance and faith, confess the faith delivered to the saints, and taste and see that you indeed are good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All these things and whatever else you see that we need, grant to us, your children, for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, and our only mediator, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is he and right so to do. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and saying,
Abraham prepared to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice on the mountain, and yet in mercy you provided a ram as a substitute, we give you thanks that on Calvary you spared not your only son, but sent him to offer his life as a ransom for many. As we eat and drink of his body and blood, grant us, like Abraham our father, to trust in your promise now fulfilled in Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The gifts of God for the people of God.
by my work and words, O Lord, and for my sake you were crucified. By your work and words, O Lord, I am saved and saved. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the end of the day, in the end of our life, in the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair when death shall come. Abide with us and with all the faithful through time and eternity. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious on you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Oh,